Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. So glad that you're here today. Uh, Today we are wrapping up our series called Missing Pieces, where we're talking about the components that are often missing in our faith. And in this series so far, we've talked about holiness and sacrifice and trust and stories. So if you've missed any of those, I would encourage you, go on our website and download our app and listen to it on your phone or go and catch it on our free iTunes podcast. But listen to these messages if you haven't caught any of them. And today, we're going to wrap it up by talking about the last missing piece, which is so often a sense of awe. Anybody see the uh, the Lego movie uh, that came out a couple years ago? Not 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 the Batman one that just came out. Okay, like the other one. You know the everything is awesome. You know that Lego movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catchy song by the way, right? Super catchy. And I, honestly, I really liked it. Like the first like five, six hundred times I heard it. Um, but after a while, I was like, okay. This song is not awesome. In fact, the only thing awesome is the sheer numbers of times it gets played. Um, in fact, uh, a few weeks ago, I was walking down our kids' hallway down here, and uh, there was this kid in front of me, and he starts singing the song, Everything is Awesome. And he's singing this song, and he's like belting it out. And I'm, I'm thinking, dude, everything is not awesome. And, and then as my pastor hat went on, I was like, everything's not awesome. There's only one thing that's awesome, and it's God. And so I feel like I need to go up and take this kid and take it by the church. Like, only God is awesome. You are singing a lie. <laughs> okay, but I didn't do that. All right. And the kid would have been in therapy for years if I had done it. So, but honestly, the more I think about it, the more I realize that a, a, true, a true sense of awe is often a missing piece in our faith. And I think this all is missing primarily for two reasons. And these are the things I want you to write down. So put your message notes. And here's the first one, first reason. The first reason is that everything is awesome. I mean, we think everything is awesome. And I know that song is now just totally stuck in your head. So you're welcome. Um, But the truth is we use the word awesome to describe everything. You know, hey, awesome catch, awesome play. Man, awesome burger, awesome move, awesome wipeout. I mean, everything is awesome, right? But everything is not awesome. In fact, no, there's, look, there's lots of things that are cool. There's lots of things that have a really high wow factor. But not everything is awesome. Because when something is awesome, it means that it inspires a sense of awe within us. There's not really much in the world that does that. But when we say that everything is awesome, we essentially lose the meaning of the word. And the truth is, when everything is awesome, nothing is awesome. Okay? Second reason why this is a missing piece for us is that we picture God primarily as father and friend. Look, and that's not necessarily bad. I, I picture God primarily as father and friend. In fact, God reveals himself as father and friend in the Bible. You know, God is our heavenly father, our father who is in heaven. And God also reveals himself as a friend. The Bible says that when God talked to Moses, he talked to Moses as one talks to a 
friend, that those who believe in Christ are now counted as friends of God. But the problem is, is that when we only think about God as a father and friend, we miss out on this sense of all. All becomes a missing piece for us. And when we lose this sense of all when it comes to God, here's the thing. We cease to worship God as He truly is. We end up worshiping an, an incomplete version of God. And that and it becomes a false representation of who God is. And anything that's a false representation of who God is, the Bible calls that an idol. And last I checked, worshiping a false image of God, worshiping an idol was a really big deal. On a more practical side, when we have awe as a missing piece, we... When we need an awesome God to step in and do something awesome in our lives, we end up doubting. We end up doubting because we don't really view him as awesome. And so when we doubt, we doubt that you know, he will, we doubt that he can, we doubt that, he's, that, that the events are going to take anything other than you know, just their natural course. And so you know what? It becomes hard to pray with faith. And then after a while, we stop praying at all and asking God to do awesome things. Instead, we take matters in our own hands. We try to fix everything. We, in effect, try to become the answers to our own prayers. And all of it can be traced back to a missing piece that we just don't have a sense of awe of God like we should. Okay, so what, what, what do we do? How can I restore a sense of awe in my relationship with God? Well, two really big things we're going to talk about today. Here's the first. The first one is that I can see God as he truly is. I need to see God as he truly is. And to capture this sense of awe, one of the best passages in the entire Bible to give us this sense of awe, it occurs in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, because it gives us a glimpse into the literal throne room of God, okay? But before we can read it, a little background information is necessary. Um, the situation is, is that King Uzziah has just died. And it's not the fact that he died that is the issue, it's how he died. King Uzziah died of leprosy. And back in these days, if some uh, leprosy was a disease that was horrible, it was incurable, and if anyone contracted leprosy, society viewed them as being under God's judgment, that they must have done something wrong. They must have stopped believing, or they lost their faith, or you know they've got some sort of a secret sin, but regardless, they're being judged by God because God has cursed them with leprosy. And the problem with the king having leprosy is that if the king is under God's judgment, therefore the nation is under God's judgment. And so the whole nation was in utter turmoil because now the king has died of leprosy. And it is into this turmoil that Isaiah steps. And Isaiah has a vision that rocks his world. In his vision, he sees 
God. Like, he literally sees God. Let's read it. It's in Isaiah chapter 6, first five verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, okay? Now, a seraph is a special kind of angel. The word, it literally means burning one. And so these angels are so glorious that they literally appear like they are on fire. This is the only time in the entire Bible this word is used. And so we get the idea that these angels are only present in the very presence of God. It's the only place they exist. It says, uh, above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Okay? Let me, let me describe this scene for you, okay? So in, in, in his vision, Isaiah gets a glimpse of the literal throne room of God. And it is so overwhelming. It is so indescribable. The throne, the throne room is so big. It is so enormous. And at the central focus of the throne is God himself seated on the throne. Isaiah can't really find the words. So he's only words he's able to come up with is that he is high and exalted. And God is so majestic. He's so kingly. He's so incredible that the train of his robe cascades off of his shoulders. It spills out onto the ground, and literally it fills the length of the, of the throne room all the way to the front. And above God are these angels. And these aren't just ordinary angels. I mean, these are incredible-looking angels. They emit so much glory that it looks like they are on fire. And they don't have two wings. They have six. With two wings, they're flying. With other two wings, they cover their faces to hide their faces from the greater glory that's emanating from God himself. And with the other two wings, they cover their feet as a sign of humility that they are in the presence of the Almighty God. And these angels start calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the din of it is so loud that as, I, as Isaiah stands at the very entrance of the temple, the threshold begins to shake. The, the noise of praise is so intense that literally the columns of the temple begin to shake. And then the temple fills with smoke because of the presence of the Almighty God. And Isaiah his response is the only response that any human being could ever give when they stand in the presence of God. His response is, woe to me. And if you were to translate that from the original language, it is uh, the idea of utter despair. And he says, I am ruined. 
because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in a land of people of unclean lips. Basically, Isaiah is saying, hey, on earth, I'm the prophet of God. People think of me as righteous. They think spiritually I've got it all together. But when I stand in the presence of a holy, magnificent God, I am ruined. That is the picture of who God really is. That is a God who is truly awesome. Awesome in every sense of the word. That is the kind of awe that we need to have when we think about God. That is a picture that you need to have in your mind when you pray to God. Is that the picture you have in your mind when you pray to God? When you're praying to God, is this the picture you have? Or do you picture God as, you know, just some old, you know, grandfather type with a long white beard, long white hair, you know, some sort of a cross between, you know, Gandalf and Santa Claus? I mean, how do you picture God? Because this is who he truly is, and he is awesome. Awesome. Now, the other component to filling in this as a missing piece is number two, is that I need to know God as he truly is. I need to know God as he truly is. I want you to look at this next verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Old Testament. It's in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. It says this, is, and this is God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. God says, but let him who boasts Boast about this, that he understands and knows me. I want you to circle those two words, knows me. We're going to come back to it in just a second. It's very important. And he says, that I am the Lord. And I want you to circle the word Lord. It's very key the way it's used here. Who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Okay? Now, I want you to look at the words I had you circle. The first two words I had you circle were the words, know me. God himself says that if, if you want to brag about anything in this life, you ought to brag that you know God. See, the, the amazing thing is that this awe-inspiring God whose train of his robe fills the temple, that these angels that worship him day and night forever hide their eyes for fear that they would go blind should they look directly at his presence. But this, this awe-inspiring God says to you, and he says to me, he says, you can know me. You can have a relationship with me. See, God, he could keep us at arm's length. But he doesn't. He invites you to know him. Look at the second word I had you circle. The second word is that it is the word Lord. Now get this. Whenever you see the word Lord written in all caps in your English Bible, that means that the word, Hebrew word used is the word Yahweh. Okay? Now, Jeremiah had several other options for the word Lord. He could have used the word Elohim which means Lord of the powers, which, by the way, would have really fit perfectly with the awesomeness of God, right? He could have used the word El Shaddai, which means Lord Almighty, but he doesn't. He doesn't use either one of those words. Instead, he uses the word Yahweh, which, by the way, is the 
only word in Hebrew that is the personal name for God. And what he's conveying is that, yes, this awe-inspiring God who could keep you and I at arm's length doesn't. He invites you to have a relationship with him because he is personable. He's knowable. And he wants you to know him. Okay? Let let me illustrate this. Um, A friend of mine told me this when I was in college and when he did. I mean, it it changed everything for me and really helped me kind of put all of this in proper balance. Um, He went to a launch of a space shuttle at Cape Canaveral in Florida. Um, And he'd always wanted to go. And so, you know, he found a way and he went. And he, he, he knew that there were going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of people this launch. So he wanted to be, you know, front and center. And so he got there more than eight hours early. So when, you know, they, you know, drove him, you know, they directed him to drive to the checkpoint. He got out of his car. And when he went to the observation point, um, he realized, like, it was still more than a mile away from the shuttle. And so he turns to the security guard. He's like, hey, man. I'm all for, you know, security and precautions and stuff like that. But don't you think this is a bit excessive? I mean, can I get any closer? And the security guard looks at him and just says, this is as close as anybody gets. So I mean, so what was he going to do? So he just said, okay. So, you know, he sits there and he waits. And, you know, when it gets down close to time, they, they do the countdown. But they do the, you know, they do the countdown several times and it stops and it starts and restarts. And, but finally they get down to the point where it says three, two, one, lift off. And he said, when those engines lit, he said, everybody just clapped their hands over their ears because it was so loud that nobody could even think straight. And, and, he, and he, said, he said, the amount of fire and smoke that billowed out from under the spatial, it was incredible. But he said, but then came the shaking. He said, even though we were more than a mile away, the ground beneath us began to shake, and it shook so hard, and we had our ears over our our hands, our ears, so that we couldn't prop ourselves up. It shook so hard, he said, that I fell to the ground in a heap because I couldn't stand any longer. He told me, it was like, it was the most awesome display of power that I've ever seen. And then he said, but that pales into comparison of the awesome power of God. That is only a fraction of the power that God has. And then he said this, and he said, and as as I laid there on the ground trying to recover from this whole thing, he said, then God spoke to me, and he said, God reminded me that inside the capsule of the shuttle, right in the very middle of this incredible display of power, were eight astronauts safe in the capsule. And he said, God reminded me that that's what it's like to follow him. That here we have this awesome, powerful, incredible, all-knowing, awe-inspiring God, but that we are safe in the palm of his hand because he is 100% knowable. 100% relatable, and he loves you, and he loves me, and wants to have a relationship with you. 
and a relationship with me. My friends, that is the God whom we serve. That is who it is. That's who it is. And that's what we, what we need to have in our minds as a picture. So, let me ask you, when you pray, you need to understand, you are praying to an awesome God that there's no reason to doubt. That when you trust, you are trusting in an awesome God and there is no need to wonder if everything is going to be okay. That when you take a step of faith, you're taking a, faith, a step of faith toward an awesome God. And there's no need to worry if it's going to work out. That is what we do. And that is who we worship. And I'll tell you what, I hope I never get over that. And I hope you never do either. So, okay, ne next Sunday is Easter Sunday. It's, it's the one Sunday of the year when people are more open to your invitation to come to church than literally any other single Sunday of the year. And so we want to reach out and invite as many people as we can to have the biggest crowd that we can. And look, and the point is not to just get a big crowd. The point is to get a big crowd so this crowd can meet an even bigger God. The point is, is so that people will come and meet this awesome God who has done the most amazing, awesome thing by sending his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us, and then three days later with his incredible power, raised him from the dead. That's what it's about. And so, in preparation for Easter, I want us to do three things. Three things. Here's the first thing. First thing I want you to do is this. I want you to egg three houses. <laughs> yep, I want you to, and not, not in a juvenile sort of way, okay? In a Jesus sort of way, okay? So here's what I mean. Outside in the foyer, we have bags just like this. And inside each bag are um, 24, you know, of these little plastic Easter eggs, okay? There's 24 eggs in there. Um, and there's instructions of what to do. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all 24 eggs and fill them with candy, okay? And fill them with good candy. Don't, like, get that leftover Halloween stuff that's in your pantry, okay? Don't get that. And don't go to the bathroom and rob us a bunch of mints, okay? <laughs> go get your own candy and get good candy, all right? So get, fill the 24 eggs with good candy, and then what I want you to do is tonight or tomorrow night, you know, under the cloak of darkness, go to so your, three of your neighbor's house. Put eight eggs in front of their house, and don't, like, hide them in the yard where they can't find them. That's not the point, okay? But put them where they're going to find them, like, right there, and then on the porch, you'll take one of these uh, cards that's inside that has Easter invitation on one side, or in, uh, service times on one side, and on the other side it says, you've been egged by a neighbor. So come to Parkway Fellowship on Easter to find more eggs and the true meaning of Easter. So leave that on their porch. Now look, if you live in an apartment, then take go to like the dollar store and buy three $1 baskets and put eight eggs in each basket and just leave them on the porch in front of three neighbors' you know, doors, okay? So this is what we want you to do. Um, and in fact, we had a couple of families in our church do this last Easter. In fact, one family told me um, that they... Egg four of their neighbors' houses. Three of their neighbors now attend Parkway Fellowship and are now growing in a relationship with Christ. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing what God would do, okay? All right. Um, second thing I want you to do is this. I want you to use five invite cards, okay? In your seat, there are five invite cards. I want you to pass these out to your neighbors, to family, to friends, to people you work with, to people you work out with. 
whoever it is, invite them to come to church. Use these five invite cards because next week on Easter, we're kicking off a new series called Wish I Was There. And what we're going to do is we're going to place ourselves in the middle of some of these most incredible stories from the Bible. And next week, the story we're going to look at is obviously the story of the empty tomb and what it would have been like if we were there and what we would have seen. I mean, it's going to be amazing. So invite people to come, okay? Third thing I want us to do is this. I want you to pray for God to move powerfully in nine services. We're going to have nine Easter services. On Saturday, we have two at this campus. On Sunday, there are four services at this campus, and there are three services at our North Campus. So we'll have nine services total. Pray for God to move powerfully at all nine services, would you please? Because look, people are going to come for the very first time. Pray that they become Christ followers. Pray that people who've been you know, disenchanted or disconnected from church will become connected with this real, awesome, powerful God who wants to know them. Pray for God to move in power at all nine services, okay? Now, let me finish this series by saying this. Look, if you don't have a relationship with God yet, you need to do that today. And you start a relationship with God by asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and then pledge to follow him as best you can. Have you ever done that? If you've never chosen a relationship with God by asking Christ to come into your life to forgive you, you need to do that today. There's a prayer to the bottom of your message. If you've never prayed it before, pray it right now, okay? And then I want everybody else, bow your head, close your eyes, and let me pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are an awe-inspiring, all-powerful God. But yet at the same time, you're noble. At the same time, you are a father to us. And I pray for those people who today for the first time are choosing to know you, that you would draw them into that relationship. For those that already know you, Father, I ask that you would draw each of us deeper into that relationship and that we would see you as you truly are. Awesome. Awesome in every sense of the word. And I ask that you would bring us back safely next week on Easter Sunday so we can celebrate what your awesome power and your awesome love did at the cross and at the tomb. We ask you to do this in the magnificent name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.